It's always interesting to ask that question, how are you doing? Because I don't think we've quite figured out a response to it. In fact, we have uh, come up with some pre-digested responses to it because we just don't know how to answer that question. kind of reminds me of the story of the farmer uh, who got hit by a truck while he was driving down the road. He had sustained sufficient injuries that he had uh, decided to, to take the trucking company to court and to sue them. So he's in court, and the corporate attorney for the uh, trucking company had him on the stand, and he said, uh, Sir, isn't it true that while at the scene of the accident, uh, to a highway patrolman, you said you were just fine? And the farmer said, Well, <clears throat> you see, I was loading up my favorite mule, Old Bessie, and I was putting her in the trailer when... Then the attorney interrupted him and said, Sir... I'm not interested in the details. Please just answer the question. Did you not say to the highway patrolman, while at the scene of the accident, when asked how you were, you said, I'm just fine. And the farmer said, well, you see, I was loading up my favorite mule, Bessie, and I was trying to hook him up to the trailer, and the attorney interrupted again and said, sir. And he turned to the judge, and he said, your honor, I'm trying to establish the fact that this man... Uh, said to a highway patrolman at the time of the accident, when asked how he was, he said, I'm just fine. Now, three months later, he's decided to come in here and sue my client. I think this man's a fake. Would you instruct him, just answer the question, please? Well, the judge, uh, by this time, is kind of interested in the story about old Bessie. (laughs) He turns to the farmer and says, go ahead. The farmer said, well, as I was saying, I, I loaded my old favorite mule, Bessie, into the trailer, and I'd was going up the road, and from out of nowhere came this 18-wheeler. And it ran a stop sign, hit me right in the side of the truck, and it knocked old Bessie in the ditch on one side of the road, and it knocked me in the ditch on the other side of the road. Well, I was hurting real bad, and I couldn't move. But I could hear old Bessie over in the ditch. She was moaning and groaning. I could tell she was hurting real bad. A few minutes later, up comes a highway patrolman. And I saw him, he walked over to old Bessie, looked down at her, and he pulls out his pistol and he shot her right between the eyes. Then he walked over to me and he said, hey, your mule was hurting real bad. And so I had to put her out of her misery, I shot her. Now, how are you doing? (laughs) And he said, I'm just fine. (laughs) Well, unless I miss my guess, there's a few of you that came into the sanctuary today. Uh, Went on the outside You're doing just fine. But on the inside, you feel like you've been hit by an 18-wheeler. Nobody knew when you walked in those sanctuary doors that you were carrying a burden so heavy uh, that you weren't sure you were going to share it with anyone else. Uh, In fact, nobody knew it. Maybe it's just as simple as you don't have anyone close enough in your life that you feel you can let share that and carry that burden with you. You know, the shameful part is... uh, we don't even have anyone to share those kinds of struggles with. Now, you've all seen it, haven't you? That movement in society that says, in fact, it's followed us into the church, that says, rugged individualism, do life on your own, uh, pursue life by yourself. Well, even though we've tried that and we're pretty good at it, it really hasn't yielded the kind of results that we wanted, has it? It hasn't made us more confident. It hasn't made us more complete. It hasn't made us more satisfied. In fact, it's done just the opposite, hasn't it? It's made us more lonely and more isolated. 
Now, when we read the Scripture and we listen to that voice of the Creator God, the God who knows us better than our society, who knows us better than our closest friend, He says something altogether different. He says that we were made for one another. Now, I don't know how many of you, I don't know where most of you are at on this whole idea of having someone else in your life who can speak into your life. I don't know what percentage of you feel really connected to the church and feel good about it. I don't know what percentage of you are on the fringes. You don't have anybody. And I don't know how many of you came in here today that don't have a single person that you can turn to at a time of real trouble. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. That it's okay that when someone comes up and says, how are you doing? You don't have to say, I'm just fine. You can take it to a little deeper level. You can tell them, you know, I'm glad you asked that. I, I have some burdens on my heart I need to share with. It takes courage. If you would now, turn with me uh, to uh, first, Genesis first chapter 1, uh, verse 26. Now, one of the things I know about that God wants desperately for you and us, and I can tell you, the leadership at West Bowles also wants it. We want so badly that you're connected to another brother or a sister, someone who can come alongside you and love you and encourage you, someone who can sustain you, because we want you to be able to do the same thing for us at times. We were truly made for one another. Read with me in uh, first chapter of uh, Genesis chapter 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, male and female, he created them. Now, mind you, he had already created all the plant life. He had created all the animal life. He had created all, the, uh, uh, all there was to create. Now he's making his crowning achievement. He's created man. And when the Bible speaks of being created in God's image, it means that being created in the image of God, it, it gives us... A, uh, an ability to have moral reasoning. Deep within us has been placed an almost uh, innate ability to know right from wrong. It gives us the ability to uh, reflect the very character of God to an unknowing world and to one another. So when you see the love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness of God, something deeply placed within us gives us that ability to share that with the world and with each other. There's one other thing about being created in the image of God. And that is we were created for one another. Much like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit enjoy that community together, we enjoy that too. We're designed to be connected to one another. The church was assembled by Christ for that very purpose. Now you might ask, I wonder what it looks like if we could kind of drop in on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and hear how they are conversing with one another or what it would be like. I mean, this would, after all, be the ultimate community, wouldn't it? I mean, this is like the perfect place of community. I think what you'd find there is a place where they loved each other. A place where they just enjoyed being together. A place where there was no jealousy and no pain and no fear and no 
isolation. And that's the very kind of connection we want. And that's what we were designed for. One of the other things, guys, of being connected, uh, being created in the image of God, is that we were created to do His purpose, to go out and do His will. When God wants to do things in the world, He doesn't do it alone. He does it through you and I. So one of the key things is when, because we're doing it together, that means we've got to have a relationship. We've got to enjoy being together. Now, all this talk about um, relationships and, and a community of relationships, I will admit, it makes men in particular a little nervous. <laughs> if you've been around men's ministry for any amount of time, you know we're kind of wired up different. Uh, one thing we do is we protect our manhood. We really do. Uh, David Murrow has a book out. It's called Why Men Hate Church. And if you haven't read it, I really recommend it to you. One of the things he said is every man has what he calls a masculine bank. And uh, you can put money into it. We do regularly. Uh, We do this by doing masculine things. He says you can also withdraw money out of it. And the way you withdraw money out of it is by doing feminine things. And we men will avoid, uh, avoid doing feminine things uh, as much as we can. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. After work, Bill says to Larry, Hey, where are you going after work? He says, I've got a couple of Rockies tickets. I'm going to the game. Ching, money in the bank. That's a man thing. He says, Larry, how about you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm, me and Billy, we're going to go down. We're going to have a beer. Ching, money in the bank. That's a guy thing. Now, Jack, how about you? Jack says, I'm going to church uh, for a Bible study. I mean, you can hear it. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner. I mean, it just sucks all the money out of that manly bank. Men won't do that. Now, we will go to a place where women, where women go. I mean, we'll go to a, a floral shop. Any of you been to a flower shop lately, guys? It's okay. It's all right. You just can't hang around there very long. I mean, uh, going into a flower shop, buying some flowers, that's okay. But if you hang around and you start smelling the bouquet and you start talking about the arrangements and how pretty it is, Mm. masculine suicide. Men won't do that. Okay? So, why don't, men, why don't men enjoy church? Is it because they don't love God? No. I don't think so. Is it because they're, they're afraid to stand up for Jesus? I don't think so. I think it's a basic, more basic than that. Men don't want to look unmanly, especially to men who don't go to church. That's why, uh, when's the last time you invited someone to go to church who didn't go to church, who wasn't a Christian? I mean, this is a tough thing for men to do, isn't it? Now, I'll tell you, men, we've got to kind of get our minds reorganized. I mean, this rugged individualism, thinking that we can go out and do life on our own, I'm going to challenge that. That doesn't take bravery. That doesn't take courage. In fact, you want to know what courage is? Come to a man's meeting and sit down and say, Guys, I'm in trouble. I don't have life altogether. Help me. Pray for me. That takes bravery. That takes guts to confess to other men that you need help. We see it all the time in the Band of Brothers. I mean, it is a joy to come alongside and around one another as we support each other. Now, you women have known this for years. Uh, There's a study that said uh, relationships. There was a study of 261 uh, people who had had uh, cardiac Surgery and cardiac arrest problems. Out of those 261, 21 died. 
Of the 21 that died, they found that the seven of them died because they didn't have any relationship, they had no connection, they didn't have anybody to turn to, and they didn't have a church to go to. So here is stress, men under stress. If you've incurred stress for the last three months, there is a seven times greater chance that you'll have a heart attack in the next five years. I mean, it's staggering. There was one study that said uh, the lack of community amongst men and lack of relationship causes as much problem as smoking. So you can see that. So if you have to smoke, do it in community. No, no, I'm just, no, I'm just teaching. But I think you get the idea, right? We are made for one another. Now, if you flip in your Bibles, if you would, to chapter 2. Uh, verse 15. Now, we're still going to, talking about the creation. Chapter 2, verses 15. Uh, all the stuff had been made, and man has been made. He's about to place man in the garden. And uh, there's no sin. There's, uh, everything is perfect. And it says, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. Everything's perfect. I mean, here's Adam. He's perfect. He's got the perfect job. He's got the perfect environment. He's got the perfect God. Everything is perfect, right? I mean, he's got the abs. He's got a full head of hair. He's, he's got the big screen TV. He's got the toys, all that goes with it. He's probably even got a remote control all to himself. I mean, he's really got it going, right? Look in verse 18 what God says. God said, hmm, it is not good. Now, think about that. Here is God, God Almighty. He has created everything and He steps back and He says, hmm, that's not good. And what was it that wasn't good? It's not good that man is alone. You see, even Adam knew it. He knew it when God was parading all these animals in front of him and He was naming them. And He was naming all these animals and He says, isn't there somebody here for me? I mean... Out of all this stuff, isn't there something here for me? And he probably looked back and he said, let me see, a bird? No. no. Uh, a dog? Maybe. A cat? You've got to be kidding. <laughs> so you can see, he knew there was nothing there for him. And then when God created Eve, he created human community. And it says the plan of God was good again. See, God... Uh, any of you in, in construction, architecture, anything like that? Anybody in construction? Raise your hand. It, it says, uh, somebody said that the community is the only change order in all of creation. You know, can you imagine here God stepped back and he said, mm, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Mm, that's not good. Uh, I'm going to make a change here. I'm going to put people together. And then the creation was good again. We were made for one another. You know, we were designed, it's in our very DNA. That's why we long to be associated and touched by one another. And I will tell you, guys, now, now the women, I'll tell you fellows, the women have figured this out. They really have. You open up most bulletins in churches today, open it up, you've got a page and a half of women's stuff. You know, you've got this one little line that says, men's lunch. You know, that's it. This idea of relationships, we, we men have to get over this. We've got to reorient our thinking and know that this is how we're made. We're not made to be a bunch of John Waynes. We're not. I hate to think we're made to be Alan Aldo's either. <laughs> we are made for community. We're made for one another. 
We really are. Ask any brother in here who is in the band of brothers. Can I get an amen from some band of brother? Isn't it true? We're made for one another. Nothing gives you encouragement like coming alongside a brother and having him pray with you, cry with you. I want to ask you men something. The next time when you are laid off or you're demoted or you've, you've been, uh, what do they call it, downsized, right-sized, some would say capsized, I mean, you lose your job, or that proposal that you was working on, it, it just flopped, or your broker didn't tell you about some tax loophole that you forgot and 75% of your retirement just kind of went down. And, uh, that's another thing. Or you have an argument with your children and now you can't see your grandchildren. Are you going to try to handle that on your own? Are you going to try to carry that burden by yourself? I can tell you that's a heavy load, brothers. You need to come alongside another one and say, can I share something with you? You young people, you think that you got lots of time to develop this new attitude about sharing and being open. You don't. You know what happens to you when you get older? These goofy ideas that we carry, they'll be yours. So you need to start right now. You need to start right now of coming alongside one another, being open with each other. It gets harder as you go older, doesn't it? Doesn't it get harder? Tell these young people, start doing that now. Don't wait until you're our age. We're not alone in what we do. We really were designed from each other. Our design goes all the way back to creation. We were created in the very image of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit enjoy sweet community. Now the good news is, He's given us the church. He's given us the body. He's given us one another. You know, I think the, when the Father is very honest with the Son and the Holy Spirit, He says, you know... My heart is broken over the world. And the son says, my heart is heavy. I don't want to go to the cross. And the Holy Spirit probably says, you know, I'm broken and I'm grieved that our people are not enjoying all that we created for them. They're honest with one another. They express themselves. They pour out their hearts to one another. That's the model for us. We should be open and honest and come alongside one another. No judgment, no jealousy, no pointing of fingers. I mean, what a place we could be. You know, I, I, I want to close. I want, to, I want you, I, I read this the first time and I just love it. I know you've read and seen this before. It's called The Velveteen Rabbit. How many of you have read that book? Isn't it great? And uh, here's what it says. What is real, asked the rabbit one day. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but to really love you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become, it takes time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or who have sharp edges or who have to be really carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off, your eyes have dropped out, and you get loose in the joints and you're very shabby. 
But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly. Except to people who don't understand. Isn't that great? That's how we should be. We should have that kind of bond together because we were made for one another. So the next time someone comes up to you and says, how you doing? Don't feel like you've got to say, just fine. You can take it to a little deeper level. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we, you have given us the church. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given us a bond. May we become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with oceans to cross, and a bridge with, uh, for those with rivers to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. Stand and join us as we sing, Come, now is the time to worship. And this is our dismissal song. And when we're done, you're dismissed. And we have a time over here. Norm's going to be available here for prayer. And uh, if you have some prayer needs, brothers and sisters, come down. There will be here to, people here to pray with you, to love with you, and to encourage you. Join us as we sing, Come, is now the time to worship. And after this song, you're dismissed.